So what were you thinking? We have been talking about our episode. The natural thing for me is is to just say, okay, so because what we did, we essentially both over the week read or reread the book, Poke the Box by Seth Godin. And as we're talking about how do we start this, I'm thinking, well, we should name that because that is what we did. That's our process. And what we typically do as a couple is we'll read something and then we'll dig deeper on that topic, right? But what is your concern if we start that way? My concern is that it turns into a book review or a book report. And you don't like the feel of that. Correct. And I get that too. And what I what I was thinking as you were setting everything up, getting ready to record, is that the book itself, actually, one of the thoughts that comes from it for me is that we should just start. <laughs> Does it matter Ex- how it's set up? Exactly. Do we need to spend so much time getting the perfect setup? You mean like introduction to the episode? Yeah. Yeah. I think it matters a little bit, but not as much as simply starting, right? Right. All right. So let's get into it. Welcome back to In Residence. I'm Keith. I'm Laura. Hi, Laura. Hi, Keith. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Okay. So what's up? You've read this book more than once. Right. Yeah, I mostly I listen to it and then I take notes with the Kindle version. And yeah, I've listened to it several times recent, like recently, like trying to absorb it because I I agree with so much of it. And and when I sit down to like say highlight, like with the Kindle, let's say <laughs> I'm like highlighting everything. You were saying and that so, last night. Yeah, and so it's <laughs> like okay, listen to it, take it in, come back in a little while, you know, because I I've I didn't I hadn't listened to it until what August or something like I've it's just one it's just one that I've I've seen like it's always on my list of of books to kind of look at but it didn't I didn't look at it until I it was it was recommended to me uh, a few months ago and I was like okay I really need to dig into it and I'm like oh no wonder like I mean it just connects to so many of his other works so it's it's a it's a it's a great resource for me we talked about affirmations and and, and things like that that kind of help prod us along a little bit. This is, this is another great example of one of those things that I could put this on at any point of the recording, let's say for the audiobook, and just press play and, and listen and it's own or like opening the book to a random page. I can do that with all of his books and I get something out of it. Yeah. And this, this was my first time reading it Yeah, and it was, it was interesting. I had that same experience with it. I think I, called or texted you several times because I often will listen to audiobooks in my car as I'm commuting to and from work. I think there was a number of mornings that I sent you a, a text saying, I got a lot I need to do. Yeah. I was like, it's working. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I have a list that I mostly have in my head of projects, of things, creative things that I want to do. And the one thing that I thought was interesting is the idea of what is stopping you and why, because we've talked about before, I don't really think I have that big of an issue with starting things. You don't, most things you don't, you don't think <laughs> right. And then when you, now that you're talking about things that seem to really matter, you're like, why am I not starting? Right. I mean, I think you said that last night a little yeah, bit, you're I like, did. you listed off those things and you're like, and I didn't think that was part of my personality to not, why am I not, choosing action with any of these. Right. And I, I think for, for me, one of the things that I, that script that I go back to is I'm busy. I have a lot of things on my plate. I have a lot of responsibility to other people. So I might have these projects, but I also don't have the time to pursue them, which I know is me letting myself off the hook. Yeah, it's well, and it's resistance. And like you said, you're a script, right? It's a programmed script. We're programmed, right? And that's what I, I, I love about a lot of the stuff is it, it points out and it, and it shines a light on instead of you like internalizing, like, what is wrong with me? Why won't I initiate? That's a big word in this book. And I, and I, I love it because it's, 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 it's the same as start, go, do. It's like initiate, like become an initiator. And you are in a lot of ways, but the way we've, grown up and been trained to do those things are in certain ways 
that create success in certain environments, not necessarily environments and projects that we're talking about and the creative projects that we're, we're seeking like a podcast or, you know, writing a blog, let's say, or, or things like that, where you're putting yourself out there instead of showing up and being told what to do. Right. Right. Like, you know, those are most of the jobs. Those are my jobs that I've had growing up. You show up on time, you do what you're told and you go home. Right. Like I've mentioned that before. So something you just said about being busy and that's kind of the excuse, right. Of letting yourself off the hook. So in the book, what, what, what stood out to me for me, and now I'm seeing it in what you said was imagine a world where no one was telling you what you couldn't do. And if you lived in that world, what would you do? Go do that. And I've found myself in the last few years living in that world for the most part, when it comes to what could I do for my work? No one's telling me I can't do anything. I'm used to showing up and being told what to do, which is another way of saying, don't do this because you have to do this. This is what you're being paid for. Don't be creative. Don't do this. We have a timeline. Get this done. Ship it. And it's being told to me, not me taking the ownership of creating those deadlines and those schedules and all those things about my project. And so I don't know why it stood out to me so much, but it's like, oh, I actually, I actually have the option to choose what I want to do. Me, I do for the most part yeah, for my work. You always do. Well, it doesn't always feel like that. Right. So, right. No, so that stood that's out true. to me. And so you have agency though, but it is hard to remember that. Yeah. Because like what you just said, like you have so many things on your plate and your work and you're busy and. But I think what's hard for me, I like what I do. You know, yeah, I, I like yeah. what I do at work. And so I do want to do that. <laughs> But I think what happens is I have ideas in my head. So I might not have a notebook with all these ideas written down that are just stalled, but I have all these ideas in my head. And I think one thing that I was thinking about is I want to go and do those things, kind of going back to the quote you were talking about. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I also think about, well, if I invest my time in that, and it doesn't work, then I've wasted my time, which I have a scarce resource of. And I'm like, wait, but I'm thinking about it wrong. (laughs) Or not wrong, but I'm thinking about it in a way that's not helpful, even though we haven't learned how to, you know, like Harry Potter, what is it? Hermione has the time turner, you know, where she can duplicate herself, take all the classes she wants. All the classes, yeah, yeah. I would love that. That technology doesn't exist. So I think maybe that's where the pressure comes from me of not starting these projects that are personal projects is because I tell myself, you do love what you do. You don't have as much time as you need to pursue them. If the things you pursue don't pan out. Interesting. I mean, cause that's something that comes up in the book, this idea of get comfortable with failing. Right. And, and that's what's so interesting is that's something that I feel like you've known for years, but maybe it's just, it's easier for you to tell me that. Because you've told me that, like, just do it. Just simply start. Go work on your project. And I'm like, well, you know, I, and I come up with all the excuses of why I can't or this or that. And you're just yeah. you're always kind of there to support me and be like, no, like. Fly. Yeah, fly. Mm-hmm. Fly, fly those wings, right? So and, and my guess is that that was a, a theme that really came through for you, which is, but like, how do you hold those two at the same time? And And is that the answer to what you're feeling of? I only have a limited amount of time. I, I can't use it going down paths that aren't going to lead to success. Was it hearing the words of like the person that f- fails the most is going to succeed kind of thing? Like what, what, how, how does that feel? The thing that was powerful for me was the idea of uh, an example of the dandelion. Oh, right. That really resonated with me. So the, uh, the example is that a dandelion has all of these seeds and it just let, like lets all those seeds just go, not really caring about where do they land, knowing, I mean, the dandelion might, maybe doesn't know, or maybe we don't know whether the dandelion knows or not, <laughs> but the, um, the seeds, right, the little white poofs go all over the neighborhood Many land on a sidewalk, many land on the road, many land in the grass, and then you get more dandelions. But the idea of having so many seeds per one plant that are being kind of 
put into the universe Mm -hmm. and knowing that some are going to fail. Many of them are going to fail and land on rocks and not have what they need to survive. But many of them do land in a flower bed, in a lawn. But I think that was powerful for me because I still have that moment where I think, but if I'm just throwing all these things out there, what is the uniqueness or thing that's special about each of these attempts or each seed I'm trying to potentially put out there to turn into a flower? So, so, so I don't know if that makes sense. So I think there's something there about why does everything have to be so unique and special? And why is it up to you? Ah, that's fair. Because I th- I, ultimately, when you're putting something out there, like planting a seed to grow and turn into a flower, mm-hmm. it's not up to you to say whether or not it's beautiful or it resonates or it's for somebody. It's for the, the audience, right? You know, that's actually a good point. Because if you think about it, I think dandelions are pretty, right? But yeah. a lot of people spray cancerous causing chemicals on them. So I I do think like what you're saying, it is that that same thought. I remember when I was a kid, dandelions were you would pick them, you bring them home, mm-hmm. right, to share with your mom or grandma or you'd make like a little um did you ever make like a dandelion bracelet where you would like tie them together and you'd have like a dandelion bracelet or a ring or I would just, I would kick them. I'd kick them off of their stems. Oh, gosh. They go flying. It's Oh, when they have like the white. No, no. Just in general. No, I I would probably get hollered at for like, stop spreading those seeds around, right? Like, and that brings Uh, me back to it. Like, why do, why do we have such a problem? Why do we have such a problem throwing our ideas out and seeing what's going to grow? It's like, because I got, you know, probably got yelled at for, don't spread those seeds around. You're going to make too many dandelions. It's like the whole. Okay, we're getting a little too. You got little Keith. I was like, oh, so are you like the troll on the internet in the comments you shouldn't pay attention to? <laughs> what does that have? To do? What? No, like idea. I'm gonna just kick it off its stem. <laughs> Going with the analogy, maybe you go, oh, that's pretty, but you kick it. It's kind of like when you know how they always say that not everyone's feedback is the same. Oh, right, right. Or um, don't read the comments. That that's what I was thinking of. I like I like to okay. decapitating dandelions with like one think false, of it, you know, quick kick. I like to think of it more as a physics experiment. I was just trying to f- I, I I was learning something <laughs> about the world of like oh. if I if I apply force <laughs> I to this, it goes flying. Like I get that. Sorry. I was probably three years old or something. No, I know. I know. <laughs> Let's get back on track here. Okay. Okay. So how are you feeling about what we were just talking about? Like so I, I do think I'm still struggling, struggling with the idea. I love the idea of being the dandelion, but I think there's something that continues to come back for me. And I know that some of, some of that is, and you talked about this just briefly, is about the fear, is about the lizard brain. I love that concept. I've heard of that before, of mm-hmm. that primitive part of our brain that tries to protect us, yeah. protect us um, psychologically, physically, and protect us from disappointment. Yeah. Survival, right? Survival. And the thing that I thought was powerful is identifying the lizard brain or the resistance and then naming it, befriending it, so then you can ignore it. Right. Yeah. Because it's, it's I, I imagine it's really difficult to to ever have it go away because it's such a part of us, but being able to let it, it's going to say what it's going to say, but let it kind of flow past you. Right. Is something I think we've talked about. It's just like, you know, it's like meditative, right? It's like the thoughts are going to come. It's not about not thinking. It's about there's a thought and just, I'm going to let you float by, you know, it's like, here comes resistance. You, maybe you shouldn't do that. You'll look silly. It's like, okay, thanks. Bye. <laughs> Leave me alone. I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> I want to see what's going to happen. Yeah. I do think it's powerful. I also think it's incredibly difficult or can be difficult to do in practice. Yeah. The thing that stood out to me around that was avoiding failure is counterproductive. I think that's like a direct line in in the in the book. And then also using your ego appropriately and that it's not all bad. And and I, I don't know if I've heard or read some more about that in some other places too, but it's like harness that part of you, that ego, that use that ambition to 
follow some of these projects and start pursuing them. And it's, it's a interesting thing because we like, we're taught to avoid failure and we're taught to not be so like big headed and full of ego. But obviously like if you're the only things that are going to get done, you're the only way you're going to initiate is if you harness that part of you that has some ambition to push those things forward, to put yourself on the hook. Yeah. It, it makes me think a little bit too about the book, Mel Robbins book, take control of your life. That's on audible. Yeah. I still have to finish that, but it, it was, it's really good. Yeah. And um, I actually started following her on all of my social media because again, it's going back to that concept of just stacking your feed with things that light you up and motivate you and inspire you and taking out all the things that just make you feel like you're not enough or that you're not doing what you should be doing or ought to be doing right. or the place that you should be at this point in your life. And so a couple of years ago, I really did clean up my social media feed from a standpoint of making sure I had people like Seth Godin, like Simon Sinek, like Mel Robbins in it because they inspire me to do what it is that I want to do and nudge me. Yeah. It both bolsters you up, right. Or, or it really supports and lifts you up and it's giving you the right inputs. Right. Did you have more to say? I did because I was going to talk about what Mel Robbins, the concept, but then also what she keeps putting out there because I think it really aligns with the themes in this book yeah. that we read for this week. She talks about what is the what is one thing that you can do to get moving towards your goal. In her book, she uses an example of um, someone who wants to own a wine store. But instead of saying, okay, I'm going to go get a loan, um, all of a sudden hire all these employees, buy grapes and make wine and then sell it or whatever the steps are to own a wine store. What she says is, what is the first small step that you can take? towards that? Is it a workshop? Is it um, hosting a wine tasting club, you know, once a month with friends? And so really breaking it down into some of those really small pieces that will help you build momentum and address some of the fear of saying, I want this big goal. I'm embarrassed to say it, but I really want to do it. It actually helps you kind of back into that goal little by little. Yeah. That yeah, that book on Audible is great because it, that was an actual conversation with that person. Yeah, so it's really powerful, and I I think I remember like it was even like, well, why don't you just go take a sommelier course mm -hmm. at like the local two year college or something? It's a really great strategy, and I've seen it in other places too, where it's like if you're you think you like something and you go all in and you invest time, energy, money. And is and then you realize you don't like it. So it's like imagine if like you like to travel. So imagine since you like to travel, we go buy an RV and spend Can all we? this money. No, no, we can't. Why? I think it'd be a lot of fun. Because my point that I'm trying to make oh, is, okay. how about we rent one for a long week or two weeks and see if we actually like it and hooking up the septic at every campsite, or we can only shower one person every three hours because the water heater doesn't keep up or all the things like things I don't even know about. Right. <laughs> so same with, do you really want this fancy sports car? It's like, well, go rent it, rent it for a long weekend somewhere and see if you actually like it. Does it actually, do you actually fit in it? Like me, I, I maybe, you would have been comfortable. It's not a fit for me. Right. And so that's that. My point is what are the smallest steps you can take to figure out if it's a good fit for you? And, and it doesn't have to be maybe the, Find that that medium or that that middle. Find that middle of too daunting and just the right amount to help propel you forward. Yeah, I will say one of my projects that I'm working on, and I don't know if I'm actually going to name what it is right now, but one of my projects that I've been working on is what you're holding back from us. I know, I know. Well, I'll talk about it probably more in future episodes. Okay, but. What, I, what I've been doing is I have, and it feels like it's not enough, but that's probably means that I'm on the right track at this point, is that about once every three weeks or so, I think about a topic that I have thought about a lot mm -hmm. and I write the, like a blog post. I haven't published the blog posts, mm -hmm. 
but I just write. I pull it together. I think through what it is that I truly want to say, and uh, I write. So I've been doing that. And like I said, it seems small. I think we all just deciphered that this project might be you starting a blog. (laughs) (laughs) Might be, but you don't know what what on. No, I know, but you... See, <laughs> Maybe so, it's about canning right, or travel. But, but what I'm saying is, <laughs> like, there was a hesi- hesitance to say, "I, Laura, am going to start a, a blog." Oh yeah. Or I'm, th- I'm. You didn't even say I'm thinking of starting a blog. You're like, well, I'm not. You like, you didn't even say that. Like, I don't. It's fine if you don't know exactly or want to share exactly what it's about. But I, that's what I saw. I didn't. I thought you were going to really meander and talk around, but you literally just said what it what it was well, in a way not, I guess, not specifically but at least you said a little small step i'm trying it. to create content maybe that's a better way to say it because i say a blog because what what is in the stories or the narratives i'm writing is yeah yeah it it could be naturally thrown up on like a blog post type site but i also think that portions of it could be used in a book portion you know it could mm-hmm. Be the backbone of a book. It could be used for longer form social media type posts, depending mm. on how it goes. So I think maybe the better way to say it is I'm not writing blog posts, but maybe what I'm writing is um, I'm ideating around content. Writing. I'm writing. writing. I'm writing. Good. And not not You're trying the to writing out. I typically do, which is journaling and reflecting just on me, yeah. but actually taking things that I've learned in my career and life and trying to encompass that in a way that maybe I can add value in the world. Yeah. Cool. That's exciting. Yeah, it is, but it's a very small step, but I just want to make sure that I don't, I don't decide to do something so big that my lizard brain comes in and decides it's going to just like stomp on it or, you know, just shut it down. So how do you start small? Well, I think, I think, kind of what I'm doing. I'm, I'm writing one thing that I can do maybe to accelerate maybe my progress or I don't even know if acceleration's needed, but I do think. How do you share how do, the work well, is what I'm ship asking. The work. Exactly. Right. So I think the thing that I need to figure out is shipping the work. I need to determine what medium is it that I want to do that. I think one of the easiest things would be to start a blog. Mm-hmm. And so maybe the content creation is something that is lethargic for me. What's that mean? I think I'm saying it right. Lethargic? No, lethargic is how I felt when I was sick. Oh, that, so that means you're so, tired. Yeah. Ca- cathartic? Cathartic? What is that right? Like you're working through stuff and it's like kind of restorative because you're able to like process. Yes. That am I using the yeah, right word? Yeah, now you are, I think. I don't know. What are you trying to say? <laughs> So I think it helps it helps me process through and see if there's even something worth sharing and I think I do have something worth sharing. So the the logistics side, I think a next step could potentially be uh looking to see what is a website. You know, mm-hmm. what could a website where the actual posts or content could live? What is a frequency that I'm willing to commit to? I know Seth does a blog post. I think he committed to daily. Every day. Every day. Every single day. I don't think I can commit to that because I I know me, I know my life. But even if I was to start and say on the first of every month, that feels doable to me. Mm -hmm. I think I could hit that that goal or that commitment. Mm -hmm. Um, And part of this is also trusting myself to continue to show up and ship the work that I've committed to ship. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Do you know that that was going to be the title of the practice of what? Seth Gunsberg? Trust yourself. Trust yourself. Yeah. Oh, that I was, didn't know that. Yeah, that was gonna that was gonna be the title he he thought. And uh, there's a, a fun little story about that. But um, but I often find myself saying that in my head or writing it, and you just said it. So I'm like, kind of what all of this is is not yourself. Trust yourself and. That's that's powerful to me because the self to me is the creative me, the sure. one that isn't the lizard brain that's telling me uh. to stop and to not do and to stay safe. And I, I need to trust myself, the person that loves to play guitar and listen to music with the Christmas lights on and draw, even though I'm not 
the best drawer. It just, but it feels good. Or I tend to lean into like artistic expression, but it can be for anybody, whatever that creativity is, is lean in to that self and listen to that part of you, not the other voice that's trying to quote unquote, keep you safe. Yeah. So anyway, that's sorry. That was a little aside, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, I think it's super important for you. What you just talked about your writing, uh, leaning into that and finding the a way forward and to, and just to keep going with that. That's a, that's a really, really important thing. I think that you, you could, could pursue. You know, it's interesting as you're talking about, as you're talking about lizard brain and keeping going, I'm thinking about the thing that I maybe fear. If I think about what is it that is, is making me stop. And I know I blame time and not having capacity and use that as an excuse for showing up consistently uh, Mm -hmm. and doing the things that I love and am passionate about. I think there's also this part of me as well, because you were talking about things that you're passionate about, what you like to do, playing music with Christmas lights around. Mm-hmm. I think there can, there possibly is a part of me, too, that my interests and the things that I like are fairly eclectic, and it's just who I am. And I always think that I, I or at least I feel, a little quirky, mm-hmm. maybe. Uh, I like to puzzle. I like to garden and can our produce and things like that. I like to make crafts. Mm -hmm. Um, I have an antique button collection. You know, like I just, I am who I am. And maybe part of the lizard brain that is, is coming out to me too, is I want to show up authentically as me. And I know that I am quirky enough. I mean, we all are quirky, Mm -hmm. right? I had I actually had a supervisor tell me that everyone has their own quirkiness, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is 100% right on. But I think when it comes to owning and embracing you as an authentic quirky person, sometimes it it's a little hard to put yourself out there to be seen because the lizard brain is saying, what if who you are isn't enough for people to resonate with you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's to me, it's startling how scary that feels to be seen. Yeah. It's something that it's a big part of why I haven't shipped work in the past. I'm sure. And it's at the same time, I, all I, you know, it's, that's all I want. All I want is to be seen and to be heard. And yet I'm so afraid of it. And the work is realizing that it's not, it's not as big of a risk that, resistance tells us right it's it's not (laughs) and that i found that you know it took what took almost six months to post to publish to ship the first episode that we recorded back in april yeah and a lot of it was i will be seen now i will be seen so a lot of that holding back and maybe delay and you know there was some valid reasons was figuring it out how do i edit this how do i do that it's fine but there was a huge part that was just me being afraid of once it's out there, it's out there and what's, what's going to happen. And, so, and then once you do it, it's like, and we talked about that. It's like zero to one is scary. Right. And then it's still, there's still a little, little scariness to showing up and doing this, but it's not like the first time. <laughs> and it, now it's more of, it's a different type of like, how do I keep getting better and keep showing up? And so getting over that hump, I think it gets easier the more you do it. The more seeds you let out, the less scary it feels. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with you on that. And even to this point, you've been sharing the podcast out via social and your networks. Mm-hmm. I have yet to put it on my Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn. And I think some of that hesitation... I I have a episode I think in my mind. I know it makes of me how far it makes me smile a little bit. Why? Because it's because you have a number, and I'm like, you could put it out right now, six or ten doesn't matter. But it's not up to me to to sit there and and well maybe it is up to me to kind of poke at you a little bit with that. But <laughs> but yeah, 
you're yeah, you told me that the other day. You're like, I think I'm gonna wait for ten episodes because then da da da. And I'm like, okay. I put well thought out in yeah. my head. My justification <laughs> is very strong. No, but I think there's something about our podcast too. So the way that this has evolved, and I know it's episode what are episode seven, seven, seven. This will be seven. So I I know it's evolved over time from our first idea of we're going to talk about the projects that we're currently doing, and mm-hmm. maybe maybe some of the things we talk about might work their way in, but it's going to be more safe and project based. Mm-hmm. We actually have taken this in a direction that's much more. I don't know if exposing is the word or much more um, authentically who we are. And I know, so people have said it feels like we're sitting with you in a living room yeah, with a conversation and this is us. This is us. (laughs) And sometimes I know when I listen to podcasts or look at social media, you just start to see there's like these manufactured structured things that have scripts and Mm -hmm. you know and that's just not what we wanted with this project and if we get too close to that we've that's when we're like oh nope this isn't this isn't for us doesn't feel right us it doesn't feel quite right i think showing up in that way showing up so authentically and i don't know i don't know how else to say it than authentic yeah i don't either every time you say authentic i want to say generous but I'm thinking more like stripped down. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, we're not, we're not, we're not here trying to have all these pretenses and mm-hmm. this idea of keeping up with the Joneses and this that we have to come across in this perfect way because I struggle with that. That's something yeah. that matters to me. Mm-hmm. But we're not doing that in this project necessarily. And I guess what I'm trying to say, just to bring it maybe <laughs> full circle, is that I just. I think that is more what feeds into some of the fear for me of the podcast at the beginning was scary to actually release because we are us. (laughs) We aren't two people just talking about a project that is tangible. We're talking about deeper ideas and digging deep and getting into our, our true thoughts and different perspectives on things, which just it feels a little bit more exposing maybe than if we were talking about how does Laura plant the garden and raise seedlings. Yeah. That's that's interesting because you said exposed a couple of times. And I think that's what we were kind of talking about is once you ship, you're being seen and you're out there and yeah, I don't know where to go with that. (laughs) No, that's, but the authentic, I like the idea of being authentic. um, But I also want to show up, honestly and generously and i think right. that so there's a healthy dose of that and 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 with empathy because that's what i want from other people too right right and so i think those all combined create a pretty pretty well balanced way of showing up in a space and allows for a little more of a deep conversation to happen right is um without like you said all the pretense or posturing is how i tend to say that uh because and i've mentioned this before is like i can sense that like you said like the the polish in some of pe- some people's content where it's like you can tell they're selling you something that you can tell they're whether, whether they're literally trying to sell you a product or they're just trying to sell you on an image so that they get more of your attention versus earning the attention by actually providing value and that's something i think about is and I've mentioned before, like, are we providing value right. talking about this? I mean, it's valuable to us. And so then I think it's probably valuable to other people. And I think we've seen that from some of the feedback. People are like, I'm enjoying this or getting some texts from somebody that I wouldn't have thought would have listened. Or, you know, I put it out in the world and I was a little bit like, say I posted on Instagram or something like, hey, we have a podcast out. I forget that people actually know me. <laughs> And are connected to my Instagram. You're too funny. So then I'm like, oh, I got a couple texts from some friends. Oh, how did you find out? I'm like, oh, because we're friends and <laughs> follow each other You're on so this. funny. So anyway. One thing that's interesting is putting it out there. I think, too, about we listen to a lot of Gary Vee mm-hmm. podcasts, videos, mm-hmm. things like that. And 
what I think is interesting because he says a very similar message of content, create content, oh, yeah. put out content. And when he's asked about what kind of content should you put out, I mean, he'll say, he's like, you do you, you do the things that matter to you. He puts out content around marketing strategy, around leadership, around garage sailing, Mm -hmm. around wine, around the New York Jets. And it creates this personal brand Mm -hmm. of his that is uniquely quirky him, Yeah. right? Oh, yeah. So I think that when I think about it, that's empowering and also helps me go, okay, there are people out there that are just showing up as themselves and trying to add value and help others by sharing themselves in that way, in a generous way. Another example in the book that I was, I, when I heard it, I was commuting to work and I thought, I I was like, where are you going with this, Seth? And then all of a sudden I'm like, dang, okay. All right. You're calling, calling me out. Um, you're calling a lot of people out in a good, healthy, productive way. I will, I will add that. Mm -hmm. But really saying that if you're working at a job and you have ideas, you have your own flair, your own spark, if you hide that spark, if you hide your ideas, you're really actually stealing from the company. It would be like taking a computer and hawking it on eBay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And because you're not giving fully of yourself and contributing to that organization. And the reason why it it resonated with me is because I show up and always have showed up elementary school on where I do a lot of scanning the environment first and kind of looking around and seeing, okay, so I have an idea. Does somebody else have it? I'll let them talk first. And then maybe I can say, yeah, I agree with so-and-so last 10 years has been slightly, has been different. Yeah. Has <laughs> been different because of my role and my title. You know, people sometimes say, what do you think? You know, so it's a little different. But if I remember there were times I had really good ideas that I just let die on the vine essentially, because I thought, well, who am I to share that idea or to help contribute to this? I'll just go with what the person with the title says or thinks. And I just thought it was very, it was a very strong statement to say, if you have a spark to start something and you don't do that, you're really negatively impacting the company. So I don't know if that stood out to you as much as it did to me. Yeah. It brings up a couple things in me because it's like you're not only kind of stealing from the workplace, but to me, it's almost like from yourself, too, is you're not being true to yourself and letting yourself flourish in a way. And what what I think of is for how much I maybe I, I hope I don't sound like I'm complaining when I bring up my past work, but it was a factory and it wasn't as fulfilling as what I, it didn't fulfill me as much as I, I hoped, but I bring to my work a type of rigor and like a standard in the way I show up. I try to make the best of the situation and I want to do good work. And one thing that really stands out about, yes, I had to do things to spec. They also appreciated people's initiative to find a better way, but it's also not lost on me that that's because that's how capitalism works. <laughs> how, how efficient can you be? <laughs> <laughs> and how innovative can you be? Because we're going to make more money if you do that. <laughs> and so, but that doesn't have to negate the fact that it felt good to be able to think of creative ways to make things better in my situation. But also the other side of if you're being suppressed in the environment, maybe maybe there's places where you don't feel like you can speak up and you can't share your idea because other people aren't making enough space for you or you're reserved and you're you're afraid to speak up, right? Like. That's what I think of. So there's kind of a, it's a juxtaposition for me. Feel free to bring it back to what you were actually maybe trying to t- talk about. And I, <laughs> I can always cut it off what I said. Okay. No, I was, I think the thing I was saying, I was trying to say that likening, not sharing your ideas and not sharing your spark and your initiative in the workplace is comparable or similar to stealing from the organization I think the thing I think about that is for someone like myself who shows up and has since 
like I said, since kindergarten, the feedback that my parents always got at parent-teachers conferences was that I needed to speak up more and that I needed to contribute, (laughs) right? Contribute in class, ask questions, share my ideas that I always had really solid ideas. It's just I never shared them with the class. And it was because I was reserved and I was... I I just didn't know what value am I adding even when I was in first grade, second grade, right? Fifth grade. And so fast forward into the workplace, that's interesting to me because there have been so many times that I haven't shared my idea, my perspective when I probably should have. And to to think about people have hired you for a reason and that you should feel empowered to share your ideas and your spark because that's why you're part of the team. And so there's something really comforting about that. And I think inspiring as well of show up as yourself, contribute and uh, know that that is something that's really powerful. I totally agree with that, that reframe. That's like a reframe of instead of it's like you protecting yourself by not speaking up is actually hurting other people. Right. And and yourself actually. Right. Uh, It's you're silencing yourself. It's a really powerful reframe and in a way to in thinking about that. And then now think about that in regard to your writing that you're thinking about doing. It's <laughs> right. the same thing. It's true. So what that brings to mind too is starting this podcast. We had a, a long, a long way from zero to one, right? It felt really like, when is it gonna come out? And other stuff. And and in the process of getting from zero to one, that's when I was suggested this book. And one of the things in here, in the same vein of what you just shared with, you're stealing from other people by not sharing your voice. One thing that really stood out to me was ownership comes from understanding and from having the power to make things happen. And I think those two things go really well together. And that was really empowering to me to hear because I've I've talked about the reason in my work that I maybe feel less fulfilled is because I didn't feel like I owned it. I wasn't able to share what I wanted, my own voice and and put myself out there because it wasn't my place. It was, I wasn't in the environment where that's, you know. And so now here we are creating an environment in which I'm sharing my voice and it's scary. And this and so and it's the same thing as like I'm not speaking up because it's scary to maybe speak up in a meeting and share my ideas. And then that the whole thing of and then taking this and saying, who am I? Right. Like we talked about before. And it's like now that the answer to that is you're who you are and you're going to share what you're going to share. You're going to put your seeds out there. And if you don't, you're actually stealing from other people. So I thought of and some advice I got once Mm -hmm. I was working at an organization and I had just made a shift from being in a student affairs type role into being a data analyst. And that's quite the shift, working with students pretty much all day to working with numbers, spreadsheets, data all day. And part of that I had, uh, we talked about imposter syndrome last time, I had really strong imposter syndrome because although I was the successful candidate, who was I to be in this job? So I was trying to scan the landscape and figure out what was my role and how did I fit in this organization and in this department. And can't remember how long, but it was a few months into the role. And my supervisor at the time looked at me because my way of doing that was to always say, yes, I can help you with that. Yes, I agree with you on that. Yes, I think that's a really good way to think about that approach. I remember her looking at me and she said, I didn't hire you to agree with me. (laughs) I want you to tell me what you actually think. And at the time, I was it was jarring. (laughs) Like I remember being like, "Oh my gosh, I made my supervisor really upset. She doesn't (laughs) think I have original thoughts. I'm not adding value." But I remember that I didn't hire you to agree with me. I want to know what you think. You know, like basically this point, and I didn't realize it until you were talking that she was basically making that point, that idea of if you have ideas, if you have a spark and you're not sharing that, in my case, you're conforming and being yes to everybody's ideas, to your supervisor's ideas, to not poking around Mm -hmm. and challenging and making things better together. Basically, what what I got from that was, you're not meeting my expectations. 
I'm not contributing. Yeah. Right. I wasn't contributing in the way that was the expectation. And so that was a really good lesson. And as we're talking through this, I think that really emphasizes this point. Yeah. What are you going to contribute? And without having someone so directly, and I, I will say somewhat, it was very uncomfortable for me to have someone be that direct with me. Because again, I was trying to not stand out, to not cause waves. I was trying to make things easy, moving along in a consistent, predictable way. And that was not the expectation. It actually, uh, if, you, if it's okay if I shift, it actually reminds me of one of the other flower analogies or concepts that, that was in the book and mm-hmm. just the saying of the tall poppy right? Yeah. Of don't be the tall poppy. Yeah. It's a saying in Australia. Yeah. That's what they say in the book. Yeah. That was, that really stood out to me on my first listen. I think I mentioned it to you and I'm like, I'm like, this is, oh, that explains a lot and why I'm uh, maybe hesitant to be seen and to not, not make a ruckus. So what is this concept of the tall poppy for those that haven't read the book? It's the idea of don't stand out. Don't make a ruckus. Fall in line. And if you do stand out, you're going to get chopped down. Right. It's, I mean, simple as that. And obviously, Seth, I'm sure, writes about it much more eloquently, but that's the key takeaway. And I think what we were just talking about is, you know, not standing out. And then your supervisor's like, no, you're, I hired you <laughs> to make a ruckus and to stand out and share your ideas because it's kind of like the idea of like the more diverse team you have and the more diverse thought you have right. in a group, the better the group is going to be, the better the solutions are going to be that you come up with. Yeah. Because if you just have a team or a group of people that just agrees with each other and affirms each other all the time, that's boring. That's not uh, extraordinary. Yeah. And, and it's not, not <laughs> I mean get too deep but it's like i mean the less like that that tall poppy and the ways that we silence ourselves it's it's just informed from like generational trauma right don't stand out because then you'll be seen and then people will ridicule you or you'll be ousted from the tribe you need to maintain the status quo and not make waves because if you do and too many people don't like the way that you're rocking the boat you're gone right and yet the other side of that is the really important things come from people deciding that they're going to make a change and deciding to do the work that matters to you. Yeah. That that's something I wrote down uh, as I was listening is do work you decide is worth doing. You can decide and I say it again so I'm going to say it again and again and again. Choose an action that's going to lead you down the path moving forward towards something. So whether for you, if it's a writing once a month to start and see how you like it, or for me, maybe I need to grab that guitar, hit record and put it up somewhere. I think that would be great. One last thing that I wrote down that I think helps maybe capture all of that. You decide your path, you decide what you do. I also wrote down the idea that you are the initiator. You're the one that begins things. And I think that leans into what you're saying is that you get to decide and really doing those, those I statements of I decide to pursue this. I am the initiator. It's really, I think, powerful to see yourself as something rather than saying, well, I'm working towards being an initiator. I'm working towards making choices. I'm working on it. But to be able to say, I am this and continuing to affirm yourself, I think, I think that can be powerful. A way to sum it all up or a way to maybe drop people in to the rest of this book, which is a nice quick listen, but it's dense and it's just packed full of great things is start, initiate, and then how he ends, go, go, go. Yep. And there's so much more there to help move you along, but that's it. Start, initiate, go, go, go. I love it. I do too. Hey, Keith, is there something that you're reading or listening to that you'd like to share with everyone? I recommend Poke the Box. Get the audiobook. It's a great listen. It's quick. It's powerful. And then a second thing I want to recommend with it because of what you brought up about kind of starting to write and, and the idea of putting your writing out there right. is 
Michael Bungay Stainer's How to Begin. I've been thinking about and trying to recommend it to you, but now I'm actually like recommending it to you also and other people. It's a great way. It's in the title itself, How to Begin. It's a great way to get you moving and working through your project. And I think it's a great pairing with Poke the Box. I recommend both of those in tandem. They're both great listens and they're great reads also. I'll say I'll have to pick up the How to Begin book. I know you've talked a lot about it and uh, really love the different strategies and concepts in the book. So that that's one I'll have to put on my my reading list. I had a really, really great experience with it, uh, working through it with a group. I, I can't recommend it enough. It's, it's a really good one. So anyway, how about you, Laura? What do you got to recommend? Yeah. So this week, one thing I've been listening to is the book uh, From Startup to Growing Up, Grow Your Leadership to Grow Your Business. And it's Elisa Cohn. It's a really great read. She talks a lot about strategy and how to have uh, good conversations and difficult conversations and uh, just a really great, great read. Um, I listened to it on Audible and um, I couldn't recommend that one, that one enough. It makes you really help understand how to have radical candor and to know that being honest and upfront is kind and that it's important to be really clear. Awesome. All right. Final thing. I'm I'm going to have like a little call to action here. Click on the link in the, in the show notes or whatever. It'll get you to our Instagram or YouTube. I want to know if anybody has any recommendations for us for things to listen to, but also, and maybe more importantly, any recommendations for Laura of tools or resources for her to get her writing out there, like whether it's a platform <laughs> or something that will help expedite the process of figuring out kind of the admin stuff or maybe where you have had the most success publishing your writing. I love that. I think that would be helpful. Yeah. You're helping nudge me along. Exactly. I like that. Anyway, let's wrap it up and we'll, we'll see you all next time. Sounds good. Bye, everyone. See ya. For now, because I, I want to pour more coffee. Okay. I'll pour coffee, too. I brought my own um, coffee I'm going to have is um, cinnamon bun. Cinnabon? Cinnamon. C- cinnamon? Cinnabon? Cinnamon coffee. It's not gross. It's tasty. Oh, I'm guessing it's just straight up Italian roast here for me, or is it? Yeah, oh yeah, straight up Italian roast. Yeah, get the Cinnabon oh, I- coffee in my bread and badger mug that says "Choose to Lead." That's going to be the cold open for the night. You, you singing your coffee flavor. <laughs> Cinnabon coffee oh. is so tasty.